Hey everybody, you are listening to the Vocal Advancement Podcast. I am your co-host Tom, joined by the lovely Heather as always. Mbula. Oh, where are we in the world today? <laughs> Fiji, apparently this oh. is, uh, is it Fijian? F- Fijian? F- F- yeah, the language of Fiji. Um, apparently, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that very accurately, but Mbula. Mbula. I feel like Hello. I've heard that before, somewhere, like in a film or something. It seems familiar. Somewhere. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to think now I think what we, films were, were set in Fiji. I think we're going to have to start visiting the countries that we say the languages of, you know, just to uh-huh. get a real authentic taste yeah. of the language. Have we got the budget for that, Tom? <laughs> Probably not, no. <laughs> if you would like to sponsor the vocal advancement book. <laughs> I only travel first class, darlings. <laughs> <laughs> You never know, British Airways might be up for a sponsorship deal. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that great. actually Why would not? make a lot of sense given conferences and teachers and, you know. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. You know, flies around Ebercon the world. 2024, sponsored by British Airways. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. We've got to stop saying their name. They've got to pay us before we uh, start dropping their name in the conversation. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have that edited out. Blank Airways. <laughs> <laughs> We're open to all airways sponsoring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just anywhere would be nice to go for a holiday. <laughs> Wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the Great British summer is in full swing, so that means it's grey and cloudy and rainy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thunderstorms everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we had a thunderstorm warning on Saturday from nine AM to midnight, so you know, the whole day. <laughs> And it Brilliant. was just like, should we put the washing out? Should we not put the washing out? Should we cut the grass? Should we not? In case it rained? And it was just like, no, nah, it was fine. I never, until it was I never trust the British weather to let me hang the washing out. I'm always like, mm, even if it's blazing sunshine, I'm like, mm, maybe I'll just hang it inside just in case. I know we had glorious sunshine yesterday. Glorious. It was lovely. Mm, nice. So I decided, and like my kitchen was 26 degrees with the heat, I decided I was going to pull my dishwasher out to fix it after needing a part for like three months. So 10 minutes after pulling it out, when one was rather soaking in sweat and thinking about their life choices, <laughs> the dishwasher poured water all over the floor. Get you, handyman. Well, it's like £140 call out, and then the part's like £80. And I'm like, I'm paying that. I could do it myself. It's like three cables. My husband does. He's constantly on YouTube figuring out how to do it. I could do that. I'm not paying someone to do it. I could do it myself. Oh. And I'm thinking, just pay someone. <laughs> I could, well, you see, before I was like, what, £140, ridiculous. And then time, they charge you by like tw- every 12 minutes, they charge you increments. I'm like, that's ridiculous. It's like one part with three cables. So like 15 minutes into the repair when they discovered the part was like right at the very back, like surrounded by all these things that looked like they would probably shock me to death if you touched them in the wrong way. <laughs> I was like, mm, I can understand now why people <laughs> pay people to do this. <laughs> yeah, we had we had a similar one at ours. We 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 live on an old farm, so there's a big farm gate, and the farm gate had gotten all rotten, so they we needed a new one. So they bought this farm gate, and I live next door to my brother-in-law <laughs> and his partner, and so my husband and my brother-in-law were like, oh, we we can put the farm gate in. They quoted them like something like three hundred pounds to install it and they were like oh I'm not paying that we'll put it in ourselves they spent a day <laughs> the two of them a whole day doing it and then they've had to go back and readjust it about a hundred times since then because they've not put the hinges in right and it starts to drag and then it won't open properly and then they recently had to put a wheel on it so that that might stop it and now the wheel's wonky and I can't oh, open the gate and I'm like why did you not just pay them the money <laughs> Honestly. It's even more embarrassing when you get them in after you've tried to do it yourself. Yeah, exactly. And they're just looking at you like, no, no, no. Now it's £400. What did pounds. you do? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, now it doesn't seem like it was a ridiculous amount. <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy to report that the dishwasher's working. And oh, there was fabulous. no floods. And we saved ourselves £140. Oh, well pounds. done, you. My partner, of That's course, is like, well, just, just get a new dishwasher. Just get a new dishwasher. <laughs> like, if it floods, if it blows up, like, just get a new one. I'm like, it's like £1,200 for a new dishwasher and it's an £80 part. And it's like, that's what they want you to do. They want you to buy a new dishwasher. And then all the conspiracy yeah. theories come out. Mm-hmm. You know, it broke because they want you to buy a new one. They sent a Wi-Fi signal to it that made it break. 
<laughs> so I say about cars, I'm like, it always breaks like one month after it's gone out of the warranty. Mm-hmm. Like they do that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, my mum had a TV. It broke the day after the warranty expired, and the place that she bought it from told her to get stuffed. I was like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> so I argued for hours with them. And did, they told me all this all manner of nonsense that I won't go into. Like, the guy lied to me on the phone. And I was like, is that, is this call recorded? He's like, yeah, it's like, great, because you just lied to me. <laughs> Let's speak to your manager now. <laughs> Needless to say, we got a new TV. <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> Sometimes it's worth stamping your feet and, you know. You're very good. Me and my partner are very good at complaining. We've become expert complainers. I mean, lots of things justified, but we've become very good at writing stinking... Oh, (laughs) if I ever got one of those complaint emails for IVA, I would be like, oh, crap. (laughs) 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 Crying in the corner. No, no. (laughs) So much better... Social media shaming always helps, you know, a little bit of a stick it on all their social media that they've oh. done a bad job. That, that Do you know what helps. else works as well? The threat of leaving Facebook and Google reviews. I'm so disappalled oh. by the service that I feel that I need to let other customers know about this on Facebook and Google reviews and suddenly, oh, let's just get you a brand new one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Not that we're advocating for blackmail, but <laughs> consumers. You're right. Yes, consumer yeah. rules. Anyway, now that we've gone down that rabbit hole, see, we didn't complain about weather this time. We had, you well, know. we did a little bit, but only for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I always listen back to these podcasts before they go out, and you know, just just say, "Oh, cut this bit, cut this bit." And last time I was like, "We're going to have to cut some of our weather talk out." We blabbed on about the weather for way too long last time. Like, cut at least five minutes of weather talk out of that. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help ourselves. <laughs> it's just a, such a British thing to do, isn't it? Isn't it just? If it's not the weather, it's something else, like broken dishwashers or farm yeah. gates. Complaining, yeah, 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 love it. Yeah, we're good at it. <laughs> so, uh, so who, who's our guest today, Tom? <gasps> oh, we have an interesting guest today. We had at our last our conference recently. We had Kim Chandler, who came along, and she did this beyond the major scale presentation for our teachers, which involved lots and lots of singing weird and wonderful things like Dorians and Lydians and stuff. <laughs> Can't pronounce yeah. half of it. <laughs> I was going to say, just <laughs> the sorts of things that, you know, musos, you know, proper musical people are very au fait with, but um, some of us, it was all an entirely new language. and But some really, really interesting stuff, you know. Kim is all mm. about trying to encourage more musicianship within singers and within voice teachers as well and get and, and pushing them to think outside the box and and encouraging their students to sing not just major scale exercises but also to try and introduce other scale patterns which like I say are less I don't want to say less usual it's not that they're less usual because they are usual those scales are used mm. in the creation of music but in terms of training voices I would say it's less, less usual, common. less common to use scales that aren't major scales. We all tend to use major scales when we're building voices, training voices. And Kim was just getting us, challenging us to think about, well, do, do we have to? Could we also build the voice using a different scale pattern? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a very interesting class and it was a, a fun chat. Uh, Kim is full of energy, full of mm-hmm. energy, and our teachers absolutely loved the session. Um, yeah, so let's, 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 let's chat to Kim and see what she's got to let's tell us. Let's find Kim, yeah. So Kim, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. It's, uh, we're looking forward to having a good old chat with you today after your classic conference. So I thought we'd start maybe easy, gently ease our self-intake. So can you tell? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the world of singing. Oh, my Lord. Even, <laughs> even... <laughs> oh, okay, I'm going to try and keep this as succinct as I can. It's a, a bit tricky. So um, I grew up in Australia. I was born in Sydney. And I grew up in a very musical home. 
my grandmother, who we lived with, because my parents were were very young teachers at that point, and Sydney was an expensive city even then, let alone what it's like now. Uh, so we we lived with my grandparents for um, the, a couple of years while they sort of got on their feet and things. Because they actually met at Teachers College, which is really sweet. And they sang together, my mum and dad, and um, and some other people that they went to college with. Uh, we used to have loads of family parties, musical parties, uh, because my grandmother was a full-time musician. So she was a really lovely keyboard player, not pian- pianist, and had her own function band uh, in Sydney that she ran for decades. And uh, so she would play around the house all day. And when mum and dad were at work, she would look after me. She was my my main carer at that time. So the, the music just was everywhere in, in my life at that time, all day, every day with Nana playing. Um, and, um, and when everyone would come home and there'd be parties, it would just be singing and playing and stuff. Love that. So, uh, yeah, so it was it, – it would have been really strange had I not kind of gone the musical path. Um, so uh, my mum and dad, even though they were both primary school teachers, were music specialists, primary school teachers. So they they ran the choirs and bands and musicals and things like that. So, I, 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 again, it was just kind of surrounding me. But I never saw myself as a singer, curiously. Uh, I was always an instrumentalist, darling. <laughs> and uh, started my musical journey on violin uh, at about age seven or eight or so. Didn't get on with violin at all, unfortunately. I didn't like the sound of it. It just like, <laughs> you know, in the beginning stages, it just tortured me. And as someone who already had very highly developed pitch because of my musical uh, environment, um, I, I just couldn't get the damn thing in tune. And so it tortured me on that front as well. I didn't like the sound of it and I couldn't get it in tune. So I moved to a fixed pitch instrument, which were, well, instruments, actually. I started on piano, uh, which, you know, you can play the wrong note, but the thing is not generally out of tune. Mm-hmm. You've got a well-tuned piano. Uh, and then I also picked up flute, which, again, is a, pi- a, a fixed pitch instrument and uh, flute went on to be my uh, full-time study. I did it all through um high school and then uh, went to university, did a music degree, a BMUS in flute. You probably didn't know this, Heather. You're looking no, at this. I'm like, this is I, I didn't know this about was, you. I'm I like, wasn't. Lizzo, eat your heart out. Yeah, literally, literally <laughs> a full-blown proper classical degree where I w- was an orchestral flute player. Wow. Uh, oh. And, um, yeah, so flute was my thing. Piano was my second thing, and singing was sort of the the important but um, kind of you know secret sort of talent on the side. Uh, something that I enjoy doing. I you know was, was always in choirs and musicals and and vocal ensembles and things like that growing up. Uh, but I never ever ever saw myself as a singer as such. I knew I had good pitch, and Mum said that she heard me singing harmonies to adverts when I was three. So I guess becoming a jingle wow. singer was a bit of a for, foregone conclusion, really. You know, <laughs> thousands and thousands of jingles later, here I am. And I've, in fact, I've got six to record today. No, seven. Six for one client and one for another. So it's just a, a part of my daily life now. But that started when I was three. Never, ever sang the melody. You had to kind of pin me down to make me sing a melody. I always would uh, gravitate to the harmony. Um, but that's because I grew up in a harmonizing home. Yeah. Right. So I think that's that's where that comes from. Um, yeah. So uh, so anyway, even um, when I was doing my classical degree at Queensland University, because I'd moved to Brisbane by this point, um, people would talk about me as as the, the jazz singer because I had joined uh, sort of a multi harmony jazz group called Scat, and even that was seen as controversial. In the uh, in the 80s, doing a wow. classical degree, mm-hmm. to oh, she's the jazz singer, <laughs> you know, jazz, <laughs> you know, I, it's like that. That was seen as like really naughty, and just like, oh, oh my god, she does jazz, you know. So <laughs> it was, it was, yep. It's how how times have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, so, but but what was curious is I vocally went from that straight into rock from jazz 
straight to rock, nothing in between. And the rock very quickly became metal. So I actually fronted a metal band at the same time as playing in orchestras. And so that there were there were times when I'd go to an orche- orchestral gig playing flute with my hair all up in a bun and you know white frilly top and black <laughs> uh, sorry and um, black skirt you know doing my thing. Then like Wonder Woman would go into the toilet and Wonder Woman and, and you know, do a few spins and next thing I emerge with my hair all kind of out and covered in leather and spikes and buckles and things and go off and do my my metal gig. It's brilliant. Wow. Yeah. So the, the two at that time were becoming fairly equal in my life, even though flute had been sort of the main thing. The singing thing started sort of creeping up on that. And in 1990 was when I started doing session work because I was offered it. I didn't, I didn't kind of really know what it was. I just heard about it and someone said, oh, we really like your voice and we'd really like you to sing on our advert. And I went, oh, that's a thing. I guess that's a thing. Okay, let's do that then. So I did that and that started a 33-year on, I'm still going, (laughs) still going, (laughs) 33 years later. um, Yeah, I just took to it like a duck to water and just went, this is me. The precision, the, you know, uh, I mean, the studio environment's weird, let's face it. You know, it's it's got no audience completely dry acoustic, mm-hmm. you know, the scrutiny of hearing every single little thing, and I love it. God knows why. But it's very challenging as well because, I mean, how it much is. notice do you get before? So, like, you say you've got a few to record today. Like, it, have you, have you had lots today. of time to practice that? Or have they no, just no, no, sent no, no, it no, no, no. yesterday no, and gone, no, can you no. record this? Yeah, no, it's, it is all uh, pretty much, especially in Jingle Land, it is same day quite often, uh, maybe the day before if you're lucky. Uh, and, it, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a very strange world and you have to, your availability is everything. Your ability to turn something around very, very quickly is everything in that world. So, yeah, it's a, it's a funny old thing. But, I mean, um, today's is... I think there's one, if I remember rightly, it's one for the UK that's changed. It's one that I did recently, but they've changed the lyric or something, so I've got to redo it. And the other six are for a station in Hong Kong. And I was a little terrified that it was going to be in Chinese. Um, And the reason I say that is because I recently had to do um, a jingle in Romanian um, and it, it was terrifyingly difficult for someone who's not Romanian. Yeah, I mean, I, I do mm-hmm. have had to do a, a, a range of languages, and I just do it phonetically. But there are some sounds that they make that I just couldn't do. I just, yeah, it was really, really, really hard, really challenging. Yeah. So, that, yeah, there were two words in particular. No, I, no matter what I tried, I, it's the only time this has happened actually in my session career that I wasn't able to get it. I got the beginning and the end, so they were able to use that, but just there were two words in the middle that they um, we had to come up with a plan B and do it as voiceover. Not, obviously not me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do, I don't <laughs> Someone do who actually speaks that language. Like they, needed, they needed a native speaker to do those bits with those sounds. I could hear it. I could hear it. I just It was a, a matter of yeah. putting your tongue in a place I'd never had to yeah. before in English and, <laughs> or any other languages that I speak. Um so I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure that I actually finished the question about the singing thing. Um, <laughs> right, we'll because it, no, it, it was this sort of slow stealth sort of thing that you know where flute was the front runner and 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 singing was you know there but not a front runner, and then just time and opportunity just meant that they met at one point being fairly equal, and then the singing thing just took over um it really and I, was a bit of a, a kind of just circumstances in the I right place at the right fell time into it I fell into it I did you know I, I it was not the plan mm. it was not the plan the, the plan was when I was at university was to train as a music teacher as in high school music teacher which I did with French as a second teaching area so I had a sort of double degree thing music and French uh, uh, which is what I did, actually. You know, I, I, I did that for about three years after university and then just went, this 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 life is not 
for me, I, I need to perform. And so I went full-time music after those three years of a real job. Um, but what, but what what made me, I think, at that time, a fairly unorthodox, mm-hmm. hard to imagine, isn't it? Um, unorthodox uh, music teacher is that I was in an orchestra and this metal band at the same time. Right. And the kids, they, oh, sorry, the kids I was teaching found that really cool. Yeah, I think they seem to. I'm still in contact with a lot of them. Us. Yeah, which is because because so many of the kids that I taught at that time went on to be professional musicians because I, I started up three rock bands and those rock bands won kind of high school rock awards every year and things like that. So it became a bit of a thing for the school and that, that training, I, I just basically would not let them be kids in the, in the respect of just because you're a kid, you can't get that wrong. You can't play that wrong chord. You can't play that wrong tempo. You can't play that, that, you know, wrong groove or whatever. So I, I would put on them, I would rehearse them the same as I would rehearse an adult band. Mm. And they just rose to the occasion. So, you know, they were, so it didn't, it didn't sort of seem weird to them when, when they're out there in the big wide world. I love that. Just hold them to higher expectations. Well, I did, I just thought I couldn't see any, it's like, you know, and they rose to it. I was just going to say, I can't tell you the number of times I get annoyed with people for underestimating what, kids are capable I know, right? of doing yeah mm. I know it's like here's here's what we you want to do this song okay here's mm. how we have to do this song don't shoot the messenger no. <laughs> you chose the song <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's like this is what we have to do here's the harmonies you know because we had about we usually had three or four singers in each band so there was always a lead lead vocal and and bvs and then they'd sort of swap around and stuff but yeah so it's funny, fun isn't it, that considering, you know, popular music mm-hmm. has been, you know, quite prevalent yeah. in the world for well, quite a number a of years now. Yeah, like since, since the early 50s. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It, it's bizarre, isn't it, that it's taken so yep. long for us to realise yep. that actually helping people to do that better is, is only yep. a good thing. Yep. And, and it is, it, it's, it's, it's strange the lag still in the pedagogical world, mm. the vocal pedagogy world, that pop is still seen with some sort of suspicion or absolutely it's or it's mm. not not to be taken seriously or it's not as as challenging or something. I mean I've been fighting that battle since I became a vocal coach, you know, yeah. 27 years ago and I feel like that's changing but I feel oh, like it is it's, it's slowly, and, slowly, and slowly 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 in the slowly. last 10 years yeah. you see more yeah. of the the kind of the highly classical vocal yeah. pedagogues you know kind of nodding their heads to the fact yeah. that CCM is slightly different is, and, yeah, yeah and you know. and and it's different but just as worthy and yes. and it's I generally find because I'm a you know a CCM specialist coach coach it's all it's all I coach so even though I've done jazz in the past, I wouldn't call myself a jazzer. I think you have to live, mm. breathe, sleep jazz to be kind of call, call yourself a proper mm-hmm. jazz singer. It's something that I can do and I, I do it well, but I, it's not really my thing. So um, if people, you know, I, if any classical people come to me or musical theatre people come to me, it, it is because they want to understand pop. Right. At a much, in much more detail. Mm-hmm. So, we, you know, we really, really drill down into all the details that make up an authentic pop vocal. Yeah. And pretty much all of them are shocked when, when we start drilling down into it. It's like, oh my God, I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't even hear that. I didn't even know that was a thing till you've told me that that's a thing. And when we forensically go through all of the things that have to happen in a line that they're not doing at the moment, it's something that obviously pop singers do instinctively, Mm -hmm. but when they're not doing it instinctively because it's not their world, but they're trying to get insight into that world and we start breaking it all down and you need to do this here, just in one line, there's so much to think about. It's just like, ah! (laughs) And and it was like, well, good. I'm glad you're having this experience because – you, it, this, this stuff was washing over you before now and right. you're aware of it. So the lack of awareness 
is, you know, a thing. Absolutely. And I think you, you're right. If, if you've involved yourself in one particular genre for all of your life. It's, it's where your brain is at. It's where you're to kind of then switch into something else. Yeah, you know, it's is tough. a challenge. It's know. tough. Yep. Yep. Mm. Absolutely. But I do love that process when, when you see the pennies drop mm-hmm. and you also see the respect that they have for how difficult it actually is for something that sounds to them like it's basic and it's easy and right until they try to do it properly mm-hmm. and then they go oh my god oh my god I just had no idea there was so much detail hiding in there hidden in plain sight absolutely there we go I mean the the workshop that you did for us all on you know beyond the major scale yes I mean I love it I mean so many of our teachers you know if you don't come from a music background cool. so like That's it. someone like me I That's came it. from an a- acting background there you go so someone like me my brain's going what are all these Hello. scales what are what all the oh this? my goodness what is this <laughs> Ah, freaking out. But it's so, I mean, it was really, I mean, it was, the teachers absolutely loved your workshop. I loved your workshop. Yeah, yeah very much so. But it's, it you. really is great to challenge the brain to go, oh, hang on, uh-huh. I haven't thought about that before. Uh-huh. Well, the, mm. yeah, unless you're me. It is literally how I think. <laughs> so I just realised that I'm I'm the weird one. Um, but... What I love with what you've just said, Heather, is it's completely true, is people come into singing from so many different backgrounds, whether they're dancers or um, instrumentalists or actors, as you say, or, you know, any number of other things that they come into singing with that's not necessarily that solid um, musicianship-based training. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Unless yeah. you come the instrumentalist path mm. like I have where that's just path the course. So when you learn piano or you learn flute and you've got grading systems and things like that um, in the UK and Australia, I don't think the grading system kind of is a thing in the US Not from so what I can gather. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No. But uh, in our where we grew up, that it's, you know, that's a thing. So you kind of, you know, you go through the grades and, and you have that sort of systematic approach um, to your craft of whatever instrument it is that you're on or whether you're singing, but you also have to have a certain level of theory and musicianship that tracks the mm-hmm. increase of grades. So that was just my normal. So it, it, it never crossed my mind to not apply that to a, another instrument, which was the voice. The voice mm. is all body parts, but it's still an instrument. It still ab- abides by musical principles. And what I find really interesting in what you said, Heather, is the fact that even though you didn't have that musical background, you are intimately interacting with that world anyway. Mm-hmm. Whether you're actually aware of it or not aware of it, you are in Absolutely. that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you are already singing melodies based on the major scale, the minor scale, major pentatonic, minor pentatonic, blues scale you know, the various modes, you're already, Maybe you are already singing before. those things. Yeah. yeah, but it's just, yeah. You just, yeah, I guess in some respects, like a, like a native speaker in, in a language where they may not necessarily have learnt lots of grammar and, you know, sentence syntax and all of the, the machinery names of how their language works, but they operate in it at a native level. That's clearly what you're doing with music. That's it. Yes. But, you know, there, there, uh, you can take a step back and go, actually, what am I thinking? Yeah, and I think and, that's fascinating and, to be able yeah. to do that. Yeah, and, it's, really, and it's like, you know. and why? Why does that melody, why does that note choice work so beautifully? And why does it sound different to that one? And why does that one note in one option versus another option make such a difference? That's that's where it kind of interests me. It's just it's yeah. just endless, and gorgeous variety. If you're going to start to do any kind of vocal improvisation, runs oh, riffs, you'll have to go there. That you knowledge is essential. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Without a doubt, because mm-hmm. people can become very uh, stuck in a, a limited circle of no choice 
unless they are actually, you know, mm -hmm. uh, exposed to other options. And it's something that I've noticed in my own coaching um, because I coach sort of, you know, professional singers and artists of various levels, everything from sort of people who are just signed and in sort of the development phase all the way through to people like Sam Fender who are, you know, just last weekend was, um, you know, yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't. He, he was, he was, he was, no, he did Glasso last year, um, but uh, he was actually at Transmit on, on, on Saturday, Saturday oh, night. Basketball, yes. yeah. And he's pulling audiences of over 100,000 just for his own gigs now. Um, so, you know, it's literally kind of one extreme to the other um, in terms of the artistry spectrum. Right. Um, but nonetheless, any artist is writing their own material, trying to express themselves through through their own music and what I have noticed is when I've introduced new patterns to people in coaching sessions and we're doing exercises on them and we're listening to songs based on them I kind of have this secret hope that it is going to go into the creative store in them mm -hmm. and sort of mix around for a bit and percolate and then come out at some point later like down the osmosis yeah yes yeah. <laughs> if, if it's wanted it just goes in, in there in the pot and come comes out and it has happened mm -hmm. it has absolutely happened several times actually and i've gone oh oh that's interesting this is do you realize this song that you've written this is like months later do you realize that that's modal we go no no, just like the, just like the sound of it. Good. That's the best reason, you know, because no one wants to do anything kind of mechanically or scientifically. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I am going to write a Dorian melody. That's the suckiest reason to ever do anything, right? But when creativity just goes there and it's and and it's just one of those flavors, just like an excellent chef in the kitchen can have a look at the range of ingredients and just go, yeah. I'm going to have a bit of that and a bit of that and a bit of that and, you know, and they create mm. the magic. It's only when it already exists that I feel comfortable to, to kind of shine a light on it and say, do you realise that you have written a Lydian melody or a Dorian melody or, and then they're usually like, oh, that's so cool. But what, what I feel relieved by was that <laughs> that was an afterthought, not the catalyst. That wasn't the re that wasn't the reason they wrote that. It's just mm -hmm. they loved the sound of that because that flavour had gone in there, yeah, and came out again mm -hmm. at a later date, just the right way. That's a great yeah. analogy with the chef cooking, just understanding the ingredients and then just instinctively you pick up. That's and it. Cook and yeah, because I, yeah, nice so for me, um, you know, hearing is our sense, taste is our sense. They're just different senses, right? So all of those different musical patterns that we create vocal melodies out of, to me, are like, you know, flavours as well. So this is why I get a bit frustrated, as you would have also seen in my presentation, uh, about <laughs> us teachers in particular just restricting unnecessarily, from my standpoint, things to be just too much one flavour, which is just major, 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 major. We do major five-note scales. We do major arpeggios. We do, you know, major, you know, nine-note scales. And as I said, I'm not anti the major scale, like, at all. But I just love the full breadth of what's available. And that is already being used in actual songs. So I would just personally love to see vocal exercises just cover a similar spectrum mm -hmm. so that, you know, so what? <laughs> is that what led you then to create your Funky and Fun series that you were sharing with us? Yes. Um, funny you should have noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you for noticing. But, uh, yes, absolutely. There, there were a few things that led to the creation of Funky and Fun, um, but I do have to start by saying I never, ever wanted to have to make something like that. I just assumed that it, it existed. So... Um, I was um, given a class, a vocal technique group class, um, on a degree course that um, I was teaching on in London. And I was re just really looking for something that was just going to be more engaging, more interesting, more challenging musically, and 
sort of down, uh, you know, something that w- that was going to be down down the, the the taste lines of what was going to work for a pop group because that's mm-hmm. a, it was a group of you know degree students learning about pop. Right. So all of the myriad of uh, of classically based options that were out there, great as they are, they're just alienating to that audience because they listen to a that kind of classical type of pattern. They listen to the classical uh, vocal delivery. They listen to a piano, just just a piano, and it just seemed a bit uh, of another world. Sort of like you know, if you wanted to be a street funk dancer or break dancer or something, doing ballet stretches. It's like there's nothing wrong with ballet stretches, right? But it's a very very different world, literally, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So that's why I was looking for something that was going to work for that class. And I bought everything pretty much that I could lay my hands on and so much of it is still hiding over there in my bookshelf that you can see over the back there. I spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds on products, you know, books that said things like Rah! singing technique and, you know, you'd have someone going on the front <laughs> cover, right? And then I'd play the exercises that came with it. It was la, 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 la. <laughs> doesn't sound like any rock singer I've ever heard. So I'm so frustrated with not being able to find something suitable for purpose that I was then then starting to go, oh my god, oh my god, I'm I am going to have to make this really. Uh, so I had a little keyboard at the time that was programmable and did little beats and things and so I just created these um, backing tracks on that keyboard and recorded them onto I think it was like mini disc <laughs> yes yeah um or yeah I think it was mini disc yeah because I had a little mini disc player and I took them to the class and I created exercises you know based on those beats and those funky kind of chords and things and the class just loved it absolutely mm-hmm. loved it and they said Kim, this is great that we're doing this in class, but we'd like to do this in between mm. as well. And that's when I went, uh, I, guess, <laughs> I guess I have to go to a studio and record them then, mm-hmm. right? Funky and Fun 1 was born. That's literally how it came to be, is wanting to have something that culturally connected with pop singers in the groove, in the way it's sung, because it's sung by a pop voice not a classical voice that it's not just a piano um that it's based on the range of patterns used in pop music not not just major everything um and yeah so that is that is literally where that came from and it went on i went on to have other children which was funky and fun two <laughs> three funky and fun four and uh just like children really and funky and fun four but it's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that t- typical last child thing. I know, I mean, the I'm, baby I'm, I'm, of the family. Yeah, I'm not, not, I'm not, not going to say, you know, there's not going to be a Funkin' Fun 5 or whatever, but they, they are incredibly labour-intensive to produce, mm-hmm. these types of products. And even with the four products I have, there's already almost 100 exercises. So I do sort of figure... I've contributed rather heavily already, <laughs> really, in the scheme of things. Do you know what I mean? Because there's quite a lot to delve into in almost 100 exercises. Um, so, yeah, so as I said, Funkin' Fun 4 is my indulgence. And So just, you know, from I'd, your point of view then, if somebody is coming to it for the first time, yeah. do you recommend they go back and start at number one? At, yeah, or I do, do you I recommend do. they go to yes. number four and just, you know, well, go for the I, newest I, version? Because yeah, each one, just like a child, has, has its own personality and its own thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, Funky and Fun One is a range of technique-based exercises that, as I said, were applicable to that class and applicable to anybody who wants to have, you know, pop-based breathing exercises, range extension, articulation, agility exercises, pitch accuracy, blah blah blah. So. So though that, so Funky and Fun One, I thought, uh, if it, in fact, it was only ever just called Funky and Fun. It was never mm-hmm. called Funky and Fun One <laughs> until number two became necessary. So 
I had people saying, we, we love those exercises, but are there any more? Can we have some more, <laughs> yeah, This is like for a few years, right? It's like, we need some more. And I went, oh, oh God, okay. Uh, yeah, I guess. So I create the you know, same backing track thing um, and did uh, a whole range of harder technique exercises than, than what's on number one. Although even what's on number one, there are some doozies there that I still really sweat about when I've got to demonstrate them live. <laughs> like some, some of them are really hardcore. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So it's, it's, it's not for the faint-hearted, that's for sure. So anyway, that's when Funkin' Fun 2 came into existence as the big brother of number one or, or big sister. Um, then Funkin' Fun 3 is a totally different product. And four, well, three and four are really more musicianship-based as opposed to technique-based. Mm -hmm. they, they assume that your technique is already pretty damn good and now it's you, you really need to concentrate on, on the, uh, the ear development stuff but still via um, singing exercises. So I was one of the degree auditioners at the time that Funkin' Fun 3 became necessary. So I was auditioning a number of really great singers as in, you know, amazing singing voices, but they didn't have the musicianship knowledge to be able to join a degree at that time. Right. They couldn't read music. They didn't understand, you know, the building blocks. Because uh, so, we had things in the audition such as, you know, I'd play a note and it was like, can you sing the remaining notes of a minor seven flat five? On top of that. Okay. Um, and yeah, here's that a note. That's serious, <laughs> seriously, seriously. <laughs> Uh, another note, could you please sing the remaining notes of a Mixolydian mode, right? Wow. And okay. and it, people are literally looking at me like I'm speaking another language. Mm -hmm. And and I would say to them, unfortunately, even though you've got an amazing singing voice, you don't have the theoretical knowledge for this Particular type of, course. yeah, because the course is really quite hardcore. Mm -hmm. And, it's, and, I, and I was like, maybe sort up on that and try again next year kind of thing. And they said, but I don't play piano, I don't. I don't read how how am I gonna learn these patterns? They went, good question. Yeah. <laughs> yes, how are you going to learn these? Right. So I thought the <laughs> the only way, or a better way, not the only way, but a, a, a certainly an, an expedient way for vocalists to learn about musicianship is via their voice. voice. Oh, yes, the voice and their ears, right? So I so I, yeah, just created a product that was singing exercises based on the, the musicianship pattern. So all the intervals and different scales and modes and arpeggios of different chord types and things like that. So Funkin' Fun 3 is a 50-track extravaganza of um, of musicianship. Wow. I actually call it, it's it's my evil child. <laughs> I, I call it Funky and Evil, actually. <laughs> uh, but some people, it's their favorite product out of all the four. So, I, yeah, you know, to each their own. Absolutely. Um, and then Funkin' Fun 4 is riffs harvested from real songs, so hit songs in the sort of funk era and turned into vocal exercises. So they're, they're still really stretchy. A number of them are actually instrumental parts, not vocal parts, which is, which is what makes them um, even kind of more challenging to sing. But they're, they're lines that people will have heard many times, you know, string lines and horn lines and bass lines and things like that. And yeah, using them as as um, singing exercises. But what what I do like is the fact that it does relate to real material, mm -hmm. which is a, another kind of thing that I'm really hyper aware of as someone who has created vocal exercise products. Is that you know vocal exercises are just a means to an end. They are not songs. <laughs> they, are, yeah. they are they are not music. They are just building blocks to help people sing the songs. Better. Right. Ultimate aim. Right. So, yeah, so the, the, so the more that, that vocal exercises reflect real songs, that's, that's a good fit from, from my standpoint. Yeah. Because you did one of those, um, I can't remember the song, but you, in the class you did at a conference, you did one of those riffs. I think it was a guitar riff. And you just yeah, started with faces. Anything's like, possible. Oh. <laughs> Stevie Wonder. I think we were doing a bit of Stevie. Well, that's right. Stevie Wonder, yeah. 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 And it was just like you saw people's faces as they were trying to get it. And they're like, wow, this is hard. And then the key changed. And they're like, oh, this is hard. <laughs> yeah, uh huh. Uh huh. And, you know, one of the criticisms um, against uh, three and four in particular, the, the musicianship ones, um, has been that everything's too fast. 
and it's too hard. And I'm sorry, I can't apologise for that. I'm not going to apologise for that and, and I'm not going to change it because I want it to be at that level of fluency. Mm-hmm. Not the, it, Like if you, if you have to slow this down, if, if, do that in your own time mm-hmm. as the necessary work to be able to do the exercise at speed. Yeah. That, that is the point, you know, and it, and it can be broken down pretty easily and people, you know, people can do that in their own time as the, as the groundwork to then be able to run the exercise with fluency. You know, it'd be like, you know, if you're doing a, a learning English course and you speak at that sort of, I mean, you know, it's accurate, right? Mm. But it's, it's, you know, just horrible to, to <laughs> listen with that, with that amount of space in between. Do you, do you know what I mean? Right, and yeah. musical fluency is the same. Mm-hmm. So as I said, if, if people are struggling with the speed that the patterns happen, just do the breakdown work till you're ready. But I ain't going to slow the exercise down <laughs> because, you know, English speakers or any language speakers don't speak like that. No, yeah. you have to right? be fluent. So, You're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, flu- yeah, fluency is 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 speed as well, and and accuracy mm-hmm. fused together. And so, you know, as I said, I'm I'm, I'm not going to change it now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. And now, now, see, I'm going to make myself sound Sorry, very old going. now because I have your funky and fun one, two, and three on CD. CD. <laughs> No, no, I think what you meant to say, Heather, was stone tablet. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's amazing. I've got them on CD. But I'm assuming that these days you no longer sell them that way. Yeah, they've been MP3s for a very long time. (laughs) They have been MP3s for... Uh, yes! Wow. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't think we even have a CD player. I, I, no, no, I, I just don't. one of those one no. of those things consigned to history, really. Yeah. Um, so, where can people find out more about you and your nowhere. products and everything? I'm, I'm hidden. I'm hidden away in a cupboard somewhere. <laughs> no, um, my my poor old website that hasn't been hasn't been fed for quite some time, but really mostly because. Not being funny, I'm actually. I'm so busy that just to have to update the damn thing just takes too, sort of too much time. And I'm, I'm, yeah. Anyway, that that is literally what's going on with my poor website. So if anyone looks at it and goes, "Oh, okay, what's going on there?" It's just well, it hasn't been fed in a while. So please just know that. So anyway, it's um, uh, kimchandler.com. Uh, then Funky and Fun has its own dedicated website, which is funkyandfun.com, so F-U-N-K-Y-N-F-U-N.com. And uh, my recording service, uh, because we um, were one of the first, when I say we, it's not like the royal we, it's my um, my husband and myself. Um, my husband's a guitarist and engineer. In fact, he's upstairs in our other studio, two floors up, um, mixing something as we speak. Uh, and then he'll... I'll tell him this is done and we'll record the jingles in a moment. But um, so we work together but work apart as well. It's kind of, it's really cool. Uh, but we have this recording service called virtualvocals.com and we were one of the first people to offer online recording work in the world. Amazing. So we've been offering that since, ready for it, 2004. That's impressive. Yeah. Yep, and it was it was when Skype became stable enough to be used as a way of doing remote producing, so that people anywhere in the world could listen to me while I was recording what they wanted me to record for them. We could all interact with each other because even at that time, ISDN was still the main technology for that, mm-hmm. and it would cost in London at that time it was around a hundred pounds an hour to rent or use an ISDN line. Wow. So if we could offer free Skype, as in because Skype is still mm-hmm. free, um, it, it took, you know, that, that took a major part of the cost of sessions, uh, online sessions, remote sessions away. So, yeah, we've been doing it almost 20 years. Wow. 
and and have a, a very large client base across the world uh, built up over that time. Um, so that's a, a, another part of 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 my world. Um, Fantastic. We'll make yes. sure links to all of those are put in the show notes. So if you're Brilliant. listening along now, you can just click on one of those links if you want to. Find Thank you any so much. That That's stuff. awesome. Well, yeah. thank, thank you well, thank so you. much. Well, you, you, for, for the whole day. I think. <laughs> yeah, I know that. As, <laughs> yes, that that is the that is the problem. But uh, but I've, these jingles are not going to sing themselves. No, we we, we must let yes. you carry on and get. So uh, yes, I need I need to get on to still doing this work before AI takes it over. <laughs> so yeah, whilst, whilst this work We're still exists <laughs> i gotta do it right oh thank you so much for joining us today Kim. It's been you're very time. very welcome so that was kim and like i said at the end but we genuinely could have probably talked for about three hours about so many things because there was so, so much things. stuff she does that we did get a chance to talk about you know i know i, I know I remember seeing Kim singing on uh, backing vocals on Strictly Come Dancing in the UK a while back. And, you know, she does so she does loads of stuff like that that we didn't get a chance to chat about, you know. But I mean, I just she's so busy, so busy. I was going to say, she's clearly a very busy lady. But I mean, she's I love the way that she, she was showing us around her, just virtually showing us around her little studio setting that she'd built for herself in Spain. You know, they've. This whole basement is completely soundproofed and she's got a vocal mm. booth. I mean, it helps when your husband's also a sound producer. <laughs> so they can do yeah. it all wherever they are in the world. I mean, she's really kind of molded um, a unique kind of working position for herself, which is phenomenal, you know. Yeah, and she mentioned that though, didn't she? That Like it's particularly in the jingle world where uh, like speed... And how quickly you can respond dictates about the jobs that you get. And so having that set up that you can just walk into, like, obviously gives her that edge. And obviously the years and years of experience she's had mm. doing these jingles. I mean, I'm sure we've probably heard Kim singing on things and not realised that it's her, you know. Like she mentioned doing radio uh, radio jingles. That, so you hear, like, between the songs and stuff like that. So, you know, she, we've probably heard her mm-hmm. so many times over the years and not realised, oh, that's Kim, yeah. You know, (laughs) (laughs) and it does. And that's where her, you know, kind of musicianship really pays dividends for her, because there aren't many people that could just pick up a completely new song and within an hour have it laid down, perfect vocal, all the harmonies. You know, she just is gifted in that sense. And that that musical knowledge really kind of allows her to do that sort of work that I think, you know, I would struggle to do that. I would I would find that incredibly difficult, but it just seems to come very, very automatically for her. Um, It's a bit like some of the like when she was talking about it, I was thinking about the similarities to Gerald talking about session singing, you know, handed a piece Mm. of paper, walk into the booth and sing it on the first take like. It seems to be a common theme in the musical world, doesn't it? Or the, the music industry, you know, time is money, things are expensive, nobody's got time for you to learn stuff. So it's like, here's the piece of paper, on you go. First Absolutely. take, second take max kind of thing. And so it, it's just, it's a different world to live in when you're not used to that. And I imagine first totally. time people, you know, you're just getting signed up or you're just getting started in this career, the first time you walk into that professional situation, it, it's probably terrifying. <laughs> oh, it would absolutely terrify me. I want as much rehearsal as I can get before I have to do anything. I, I, want, I want preparation time. Like, it would terrify me to go, right, here you go, just go. I'd be like, no. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, a, it's a skill. Mm. But some people, like, I, well, I listened to her during the class when she was talking about it, and we chatted to her after the class when we were arranging the podcast, and she was talking more about, you know, stuff that she won't, can't share publicly. You know, but was just kind of commenting without names and stuff about things that she's done. And, and I was listening to that. That sounds so exciting. I could love, I could see myself doing that. And then you, when you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, but, you know. It's terrifying. It just, <laughs> it is, yeah. You know, how do you start? <laughs> Where do you start? You know? And it does seem to be because it was a very similar story for Gerald. As I said, you kind of fall into it. You meet the right person. You're in the right place at the right time. That mm-hmm. there's, it doesn't seem to be a very kind of structured. You do X, Y, and Z, and then you will get work session singing. 
um, a lot of stars have to align, it appears. Um, it's a d- difficult yeah, thing to I kind ha- of set out to do. Yeah, I've, I've, I mean, I've heard that from other people that work in the music industry. At, you know, upper, upper levels of the music industry, like a lot of the time it's right place, right time, or who you know that gets you your foot in the door, which I suppose to some people could be frustrating, isn't it? Because, you know, you're desperate for it, but you're just not in that right place at the right moment. It just shows the value of networking. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way forward if you want to you know get in the game you've got to get out there you've got to talk to people you've got to meet people you've got to you know be the person they've heard of they've seen uh, yeah social yeah. media mm, absolutely it's a big part these days totally all of that you hear helps. stories like quite, what they call, like the development like they look for artists that already have like ready made presences where they can just pick them up and fund them as opposed to building somebody up, you know, like there's stories. I don't know the full story, but I know bits and pieces like Jessie J was signed for many years and in development before she was released into the world as like, you know, who she is. And a lot of people think she was just an overnight success, but no, I'm sure she was signed for like four or five years and wasn't allowed to do anything whilst they were working on whatever it is that they do in that field. So it's yeah I find it all fascinating I like as a nosy person like somebody who's nosy <laughs> I love knowing what's going on behind the scenes like I, I love I've like I've watched the documentaries where it's like you know Beyonce but it's like backstage seeing all the people running around like with costumes and madness and stuff and she's on stage and walks off and then it's like a flurry of events and then she struts back on you know I love that I, th- I just love that stuff I love hearing about it and how it works it's just backstage gossip Yes, love it, love it. It's mm-hmm. just, it's fascinating. It is because, <laughs> you know, if you're not in that world, like walking backstage and just, because you, I think like, I, and I'm guilty of it too, like you sit and watch a show, like a singer or a show, and you forget that there's like 50 people frantically running around behind the scenes making the seamless experience that you're watching on stage happen. And so I think we all forget about that or don't realise because we're not experienced it, you know? Yeah, you're right. It's fun. It's fun. It is. Fascinating. So, I um, to move to London and become a something. (laughs) (laughs) Work in wardrobe or do the laundry. I can fix the washing machine if it needs a dodgy part. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Sold. Somebody's got to get that green makeup out of wicked costumes. (laughs) (laughs) I bet it's a lot of fun. I bet. What do you do oh for a living? Gosh. I wash the costumes at Wicked. I do. <laughs> it's a job. There's somebody out it there is. doing it. There's somebody out it's there doing the it. It's in the theatre. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, I would quite happily do that. I'm not picky. Yeah. Although I draw can. the line in cleaning the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's going to do that too. <laughs> I know. I know. Not me, but somebody else. <laughs> Especially if they're green toilets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how, how far down they greenify alphabet. <laughs> I don't know. Would it affect the know. other toilet fans? I don't know. We'll, we'll ask Emily. If her hands are green. We speak to her. <laughs> yeah. Green handprints on the toilet seat <laughs> from green hat. Yes. <laughs> I oh, love it. I could just, I could imagine. Can you imagine like you got an itchy eye and you scratch it, forgetting you've got like green hands and you're like. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> all over your face. Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! I love it. So, um, who's on our next? What's what, what's our next episode, Tom? What's what's up next on our podcast? Do we know? Yet? So our next—I don't. Well, I was thinking about it actually before we came on, and I, our next episode is—I'm not sure. I'm not oh, sure yet. it's a surprise! It's a surprise. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's we a love surprise. those ones. We have quite episode. well. There's a couple of episodes in development with people, so we don't know quite know what order they're going to come out in yet. Right there, we go. So um, you'll just have to make sure you're subscribed and then you'll find out. We'll keep you in suspense. Mm. How do they make sure that they don't miss an episode of the Vocal Advancement podcast, Tom? Well, make sure you go to wherever you consume your podcasts and you click the subscribe or the follow button and then you can get notified when our next episode with the mystery guest comes out. I'm building it up now. I'm I'm mystery (laughs) guests. Because it better be a good one, or they'll be disappointed. I know, no pressure. <laughs> it's going to be whoever, you can do whoever, that. whoever washes the costumes at the back, backstage of Wicked in the West End. That's who it'll be, yeah. 
Look at the man. How'd you keep your whites white? Is it Daz or bold? Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, so, uh, oh yeah, and you want to um, make sure if you want to see the video shenanigans, you know, as I said, um, I was going to say Heather, uh, Kim is a bundle of energy, so, you know, you can watch our, our excitement in video as well on our YouTube channel. Absolutely. Yeah. Find us on YouTube if you prefer to see it rather than just listen to it or just listen to us. Yeah, perhaps you're a visual person and you prefer to see us. Yeah. I like to listen while I'm out walking the dog. Whatever floats your boat, or in the car, driving somewhere. Love a podcast in the car. I like when I'm cooking, I like, you know, doing all your prep before you start cooking, chopping your onions and things. I like to just slip a little podcast on. Mm, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I love it. Well, there you it's go. Nice. So wherever it's you're cultural. listening to us, whether you're <laughs> in the car, doing your cooking, walking the dog. In the bath. In the bath? Are we in the bath with you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> be careful there just in case <laughs> don't forget to wash behind your ears there we go right wherever you are thank you very much for listening to us today <laughs> uh, I can't get that vision in my head <laughs> uh, and on that note breathe you don't need us. Yeah. You. you get on with what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I'm> cut. <laughs>